Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast. <laughs> and this is our review of Talk to Me. Have you seen the group chat? You're doing it again tonight. Huh? No. Please. It's my mom's remembrance day. I just want to forget about it. I'll do it. Cannot go for more than 90 seconds. Am I clear? What happens after 90 seconds? <laughs> Don't want to stay. Light the candle to open the door. Blow it out to close it. Put your hand on it. Now say, talk to me. Talk to me. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Talk To Me, and the story is as follows. When a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits by using an embalmed hand, they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. The film is starring Sophie Wilde, Miranda Otto, Alexander Jensen, Joe Bird, Otis Donji, and Zoe Tarakis. It is written and directed by Danny Philippou and Michael Philippou and co-written by Bill Hinsman. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Danilo Castro. Hello, everybody. And Dan Bear. 90 seconds on the clock. All right. I, I keep getting reminded of a line from a Goofy movie where one character says, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. And that's essentially how I feel right now as we start off this review. I just want you guys to talk to me and tell me what you all thought of Talk To Me. This movie started its uh, run here at the Sundance Film Festival uh, where it had its uh, world premiere. And at the time, I don't believe it was acquired by A24 just yet, but I believe they announced it shortly thereafter. It's an Australian horror movie. And it's also the feature directorial debut of the twin brothers, Danny and Michael, uh, otherwise known as Raka Raka. Uh, they are an Australian YouTube channel that gained quite some popularity. And so... We don't get a chance to talk about horror that often here on the podcast. It's something that a lot of times it gets overshadowed by another release. So I'm excited to uh, dive into this genre here a little bit with you all and see what you all thought. So let's start off with Danilo Castro. Danilo, what did you think of Talk To Me? Um, I saw the trailer without a whole lot of context. Uh, it was just something I, I saw before uh, another film. And I was, I was definitely hooked by the premise. I was... Also unaware that the filmmakers were uh, people from whom I had seen YouTube videos. Um, it was something I sort of connected the dots on later on. 
And when I realized the kinds of videos they'd done on YouTube, I was surprised that they had gone this route. I mean, I know um, upon reading like interviews since that they they sort of have always had a, a, a desire to sort of delve into the genre, but the YouTube videos didn't give me the impression that they would sort of go the route that this trailer was suggesting. So my interest was peaked definitely. I was curious to see how they would sort of land the plane. And uh, I gotta say my my expectations were surpassed. I think they did a really good job. This is a really sort of strong and pretty formally inventive movie. I think they really uh, managed to take advantage of the premise. Um, I don't know how specific we want to get with examples as it gets later on here, but uh, yeah, this 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 is a, this is a great one. This kind of came out of left field for me, and uh, and uh, genre wise, it's up there with some of my favorites of the year so far. Yeah, when you describe like how it kind of came from like the independent film world and came out of nowhere, it almost reminds me a little bit of that same reception that something like It Follows got a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Would you like equate it to something like that? Yeah, I would say so. Another thing of just like it just this thing sort of arrived fully formed uh, stylistically and like concept wise. And horror is always good for that. And it's always exciting when it happens. And so I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty thrilled that this is, yeah, just kind of fallen in my lap. I don't know how you guys feel, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, I agree, because it's one thing for a horror film to be positioned by one of the major studios and to have like a recognizable name star tied to it, a high production value budget, something along those lines. And traditionally, the trailers are all marketed exactly the same way, where with this, I really I mean, especially for me as someone who saw it at Sundance before a trailer was even released, uh, this totally took me by surprise. Dan Bear, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I had heard the early buzz about this one from Sundance and got very excited when I saw it on the lineup for South by Southwest, which is where I got to see it opening night after the Dungeons and Dragons premiere. It was perfect, perfect timing, like almost a midnight screening. And, you know, this movie, it just has flawless, spooky vibes. The amount of dread and horror hanging over this thing is just, like, thick. You can feel it. And what I found is that this movie actually reminded me a lot of Hereditary in that it is both genuinely scary (laughs) and also a really melancholy sad story on top of that horror and fantastically acted by the whole cast but really Sophie Wilde in the lead role is just really really good at bringing that melancholy to the surface while making sure that doesn't overwhelm the movie like it's still a lot of fun and it's still really scary I love the places the script goes. I love the idea of this ceramic hand as this kind of like 21st century monkey's paw for these kids to fuck around and find out with. And I think the ending is full on great. I was so, I was not really expecting it to go where it did, but once it did, I think they actually nailed it. And yeah, I love this. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it could be a new, like, kind of cult classic horror movie. I I love it. 
Yeah, what I'm kind of hoping it doesn't become is I don't want to see sequels to this. I don't want to see multiple talk to me's oh yeah no 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 i think it has its trick it plays its trick very very well it's effective it works but once you know the trick i can see how it could become tedious thereafter and dan in your opening thoughts there you mentioned a phrase that uh, i've been saying since i saw the film which is this is essentially fuck around and find out the movie (laughs) (laughs) basically yeah (laughs) this movie placed me right back in my rebellious college late high school years where you're getting together with friends you're kind of bored you don't really know what to do for activities and fun so what what do you end up doing you end up doing dangerous risky shit that if all goes well dumb shit nobody gets hurt (laughs) everybody laughs everybody has a good time but then if shit does go wrong and somebody does get hurt or something along those lines, then I don't know. It's weird because deep down you're kind of hoping for an accident, but you just want everybody to be okay. And then you can just laugh about it later, you know, that sort of thing. In this movie, these these characters are rolling the dice multiple times doing something that, quite frankly, even I, I placed myself in, in their shoes multiple times. And even I was like, I wouldn't volunteer for this. I wouldn't want to be in the room for this. I'd be running away, running far, far away from whatever party I was at if this was taking place. I would start secretly asking people around me, hey, do any of them have a theater background? Do any of them do like stage production work or anything like that? (laughs) I would be trying to get down to the bottom of if this was a hoax or not, you know, because if I saw that for real, it would freak me out way too much, and I would not be okay with it. I would not be comfortably laughing and having a good time recording on my phone with friends. But I know that that's the commentary that they're going for here with this movie. And in that regard, it is effective, but it is also a little frustrating. It is frustrating to watch characters that, quite frankly, you think should be maybe a little bit smarter given the circumstances of the movie. Especially um, Sophie Wilde, whose performance, I agree, is fantastic here she's so 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 good but i do think that the screenplay kind of lets her down just a little bit because there is an emotional crux to the movie here in terms of what's giving her motivation to essentially push her character forward in a way that can come off as frustrating to the audience because we know obviously that what she's doing is really really dangerous but I think that stylistically, I think the representation of the hand and how that's conceived, the way it's shot, the sound work, the way it's all framed, I think all of that's extremely well done. Like the way that these two brothers capture atmosphere and really produce some genuinely good jump scares in this movie too, might I add. I I think they've got a really good grasp of how to stylistically present this movie, but where the movie was lacking for me was a bit in the writing department. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, 
Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, yeah. That opening scene is fantastic. Oh, yeah. It comes out of nowhere. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I mean, like, it got such an audible reaction too. both times I've seen it from my audience. It, you know, cuts right to the title card. It's a great opening scene. Yeah, that commands attention for sure. I agree with you, Matt, to an extent. I do think sort of like you you could kind of poke holes in the 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 believability that it would go as far as it does. I right. think in the case of horror movies uh, like this, though, I, for me at least, I, I'm able to sort of um, if everything else is sort of in place and solid, I'm, I'm able to like forego a little bit of the logic if it gets me to places that are this like riveting, I guess, you know, yeah. Um, and so I, I agree with you. I think it's pretty valid criticism. I, I do think in watching it, I've only seen it the one time, but um, it didn't bother me to the point where it took me out of the movie. No, it, did, it never took me out of the movie. I'll say that. But like, for example, her relationship with her father in this movie, I think is very undercooked and could have been mm. more integral to the film's heart and emotion. I, I just felt like there was something lacking there or there was something that the film was like teasing was unsaid, uh, but they never actually uncovered exactly what that was. It just seemed like there was more to uncover there. Yeah, it's really interesting. I feel like in terms of the main plotline of the story with Sophie Wilde's character and the hand and her brother and like everything that happens there, even if you kind of look at it from a logical place and are like, Oh, I don't know. I would not do that. Like really girl, really everything at least has like an emotional underpinning to it that makes it kind of make sense well i mean like you mentioned a second ago that like she's with her brother i mean it's like her surrogate brother to yeah to an extent and that's like one thing that i didn't know if the film did a good job of necessarily conveying to me early on which was her father seems well adjusted he doesn't seem like a terrible guy i noticed she had this tragedy in her life with her mom but like they seem to have a nice house why is she not spending time with him and she's spending time with this other family to the point that it seems like she's there for months on end. Um, that they say that she's like another part of the family. And I was like, like, this is what I mean when I say, I just felt like there was stuff there that just wasn't as fully well explained as it should have been. Yeah. And I think like, you know, like there is a point where we don't need the whole explanation and like, just like she's sad cause her mom died. Like it, it, it's a horror movie, you know, basic, basic, basic character motivations are kind of part and parcel of the whole thing. And like it works, yeah. but yes, like there, there could have been there, there was more to explore her that, that could have been, I didn't, necessarily miss it because I think in part because the sequences where we do get the actual horror stuff and jump scares are are so good and like Daniela was saying like I was really riveted and into the story so that those things kind of didn't bother me so much yeah and I think part of what makes the horror elements of this movie work so well as I was saying earlier are the Philip uh, brothers command of tone uh very technical 
I don't want to say mastering, you know, but <laughs> they do a they do a pretty great job in their first uh, film here of utilizing all of the tools at their disposal to just create this really dreadful atmosphere to this film. I think I think one little touch that adds so much, and it's such a small little thing, is how they um, the person that interacts with the hand and undergoes this really terrifying process has to be strapped to the chair. And before it happens, you're thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa what is that about? What's about to happen here? Well, why? <laughs> and so I think little things like that do a really good job of conveying just how absolutely insanely out of hand that this can get. And sure enough, uh, we do see through self-mutilation and violence uh, how out of hand this can get. I mean, who's the, who's the young kid in this movie? The young the young boy is uh, Joe Bird is his name. Oh yeah, he's really good. <laughs> the stuff that he was doing physically in his scenes uh, were absolutely mind blowingly good, and the makeup work too is outstanding in this movie. There's so much practical makeup effects that mm-hmm. I was literally like smiling ear to ear in my element enjoying the hell out of this mostly because on a small budget you have to resort to such things you can't just cgi it all up and Mm -hmm. it just lended itself to uh making it feel more real which i really appreciated oh yeah it's a benefit i mean it it never feels uh like they're needing to do it out of like necessity to to minimize budget like it feels like a choice that benefits the, the the whole presentation it was funny you said out of hand there. That would have been a good alternate title for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that what adds to the, the the sort of the horrifyingness of some of those scenes that you're talking about is um, the performances they're able to get out of the actors in terms of like the body language, like how they're reacting to the possessions is pretty horrifying on top of like the way that the the sort of the makeup makes them appear like it's it's unnerving to see bodies contort and shake like that like it's it's that was something that really stuck in in my mind uh that was hinted at in the trailer but you really see a lot of it in the movie and it 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 makes me uncomfortable each time out and that's not an easy ask for an actor to pull off not at all no i mean we saw it a little bit earlier this year too with evil dead rise where You can give a really physical performance in a horror movie that is a complete 180 from your own personality. And if you could make an audience believe that, damn good acting on display right there. Absolutely. Yeah, those possession sequences with the hand are just, they're so intense. My God. The performances go a long way and the makeup is absolutely incredible. I It's subtle, but it gets the gets the job done and it gets it done really like skin crawling way that I just, I really responded to. And the camera work in those scenes, how like the lights sort of dim around them when we, and we see the spirits and they, I really liked how they attach the camera. Like, so we're almost in the position of the hand looking at the um, person who's being possessed it's really, really good. I was just going to say the simplicity of like that concept, but it works so well. Like it works to the yeah. point where it didn't even occur to me in the moment. It's something you realize after like, oh, that's that's a really smart thing. But you're so caught up in the moment 
and that's like the you know that's what you're going for obviously as a filmmaker and and it really works i also have to point out without giving spoilers away some of the audio work in this movie is absolutely incredible yeah like what what were some of your favorite moments where either through sound mixing or sound editing of just the audio stood out to you because i can name like five instances in this movie one of which to just kind of get us started here there's a moment where sophie has a pillow thrown at her yeah and the sound effect that it makes for a pillow (laughs) produced such a great jump scare in my in my theater and then one more is a moment involving um how do i say this without spoilers an eyeball Oh, ah! I was gonna that one, I have yeah. I, stuff with eyes really bothers me. And when that happened, it was like, nope, nope, nope. Just making all the yeah. squishy sounds. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that one, that, that is, um, that's the closest I came to being like, all right, I'm going to cover my eyes. That's yeah. stuff like that is, and the sound design is a big part of why that is so like, oh, stomach churning. Yeah, there there are several moments where I think it's the first time she tries to do the ritual with the hand by herself. Okay. In her room and her her quote unquote her mother finally appears. Ooh. I also thought they did a really good job with the so that, like when they when the um, when they would say after they would say talk to me they would say I let you in mm-hmm. when they would say I let you in and then they would uh, flip back in their chair their yeah. eyes would go straight to the ceiling there was always a great sound effect of you know the rush of that whooshing sound of the force through which it would like hurl them back that was really effective oh and every time every time. Uh, one character in particular smashed their head against. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Painful. Like the violence in this movie is. It's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say shocking, although like one or two moments are pretty shocking, but like mm-hmm. brutal's the word. Yeah. And I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but here it feels way more so. Um, I think because the sound work is that effective, I think that's why it's as brutal as it is. Yeah, and there are different like there are different ways that violence can be brutal, right? Like I felt like Evil Dead Rise, the violence was really brutal because it was kind of like cruel to the characters in certain ways that mm-hmm. you know happens in Evil Dead movies. But here, it's like brutal in like literal brute force. <laughs> Yeah. Like these it feels like it's pulverizing you, like it's punching you in the gut yeah. every time. Ooh. All right. Going back to some of the more character stuff in this movie. What was up with this like weird love triangle thing between Mia, Jade, and Daniel? Like they were saying that Mia and him held hands and she used to have a crush on him, and now he's her boyfriend but he's not like having sex with her and once again it kind of just i i, I kind of felt like all of this was detracting at times from how good the rest of the movie was and then they have one scene in particular that involves toe sucking oh i don't want listen i i don't care what people do in the privacy of their own homes that's their own thing totally fine i get it but 
I could feel the audience around me in the theater also kind of getting this feeling of like, the ick. is this yeah. movie about to yeah. become like absurdly silly? Like what is happening here? Yeah. Um, to your, to your earlier point, I think this is, this is a point of characterization. Uh, the, the, the sort of kind of love triangle you described this part was the part of the, the narrative that I was a little more distracted by. Like, ah, I'm not really enjoying myself as much when we're focusing in on this versus sort of everything else that's being presented. And I also appreciate, too, that the movie is extremely economical in its runtime. This movie is 95 minutes long. It whisks on by. Oh, yeah. But I can't help but feel that there are certain plot lines and characters uh, getting their moment with the spirits or something along those lines that just like it's not here. It's not. We are focused on Mia and Mia alone. Which is fine. That is a choice that I do recognize that they deliberately made. But I, de- I, I then don't think you need to be giving these other characters like these subplots because then it just feels unnecessary and tacked on. Like an either or thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that the, the whole love triangle thing, like it didn't necessarily bother me, but it did feel very like we have to have this kind of relationship in our horror movie sort of thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like it's there because it has to be. So it, it didn't bother me, but it was like, uh, I don't know. But that said, I do think that I did like how they built the relationship between Sophie and her best friend, uh, Jade? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Jade. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I like the way they built their relationship with the their like more than acquaintances, but not quite friends who initially have the hand. Yeah, like that relationship felt very specific. Like we're not best friends with these people, but we know them really well, and there's a lot of history that we're not going to get into, but. Not everything has always been perfect. That felt like I really liked the way they built that to like kind of antagonistic, but still friends. Mm-hmm. It felt very real to me. I actually thought that uh, Zoe Tarak Tarakes, I, th- I think I'm saying that right, who plays um, one of the acquaintance or whatever you want to call it like you said dan yeah i thought that they were extremely captivating in their screen presence and they really good i wanted more from that character mm-hmm. like that character and then um the the, the big guy who got the hand initially they, they yes. kind of disappear from the movie yeah for a while yeah so yeah, it was really, really enjoying uh, their work and wanted to see more. I, I really felt like this movie, if it wanted to, it could have gone a little bit further. But, like, stylistically, the way that this movie is presented, I think with a stronger screenplay, this could have been, like, an all-timer, like, horror film for me in some ways. As it is, like, Sophie Wilde's performance does a lot to make up for uh, much of what's missing here for me. I, I thought that, you know, Agreed. the commitment to the possession stuff, the way that um, she also has to navigate through some really tough emotional terrain here yeah. in a way that I, I can imagine would be very, very taxing on any actress to pull off. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's a pretty solid movie all around. And like Danilo was saying, it definitely can catch you by surprise if you head into it with um, little to no expectation, I think. I think if you go in with too high of an expectation, maybe then it may not quite 
meet it, but it's still a good time. Definitely, yeah. Um, oh, I yeah. think part of I mean, you mentioned uh, Wilde's performance. I think part of the appeal of movies that sort of blindside you like this, or or aren't you know, aren't featuring a star, is just like you really do get that sort of sense of introduction of like I'm only seeing these people as these characters. I love that, especially about these you know somewhat smaller horror films. Like obviously, I think this is uh, her first her first film. This is our first feature film. Yeah, uh, incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like th- those types of like revelations are are fantastic. Like I, I'm excited to see her in other things, but it just it's it really sells the the authenticity of the bit when you haven't seen any of these people in anything else. Yeah, and I also love that it just feels. I I, w- I went into it sort of like expecting the hard hitting horror of it all. I, I was not expecting how emotional the the main storyline was going to be and that comes a, nearly all from Sophie Wilde. Like it is in the script and that alone is impressive. Like they did not have to make that storyline as prominent or even as emotional as they made it, but her performance especially really takes the movie it it lifts it above, you know, just another scary horror movie. And I really appreciated that they even went there because the Philippus also wrote the script. Yeah, I think one of them did. Yeah. Yeah. To your point earlier, also, Dan, I don't know how specific we want to get, but that ending really oh. a long way in sealing yes. those things that you just highlighted. It's I I didn't I didn't expect them to land the plane that effectively. So that was another big surprise of like, oh wow, that's that was the way they depict what happens is it's so sure. good. Yeah, I, I will say I will say this about the ending. The first time I saw it, and I think you guys probably might have remembered me even saying this uh, after I saw it at Sundance. The ending came kind of out of nowhere for me because I actually felt like, as I mentioned before a couple times now, I felt like there was still more story to tell. And I thought we were going to get more sequences. I thought some more characters were going to get um, their moments, if you will. And so I felt like the third act of this movie was actually just kind of kicking into full gear and then it ended and I was like wait a minute that's it it's over no and I I was so blindsided by the ending of this movie so much so (laughs) that I even missed the final line of dialogue no so all these months up until recently when I just saw it again a second time I didn't understand the actual full context of the ending. So watching it a second time now, knowing that it was coming, because uh, I, I knew as soon as we got to the highway, I was like, okay, I know it's happening like yeah. in a few minutes. Like any, any moment now is like, yeah. when the movie's going to end. And I'm just like, I'm prepared for it. I'm ready for it. But what I wasn't prepared for was I wasn't prepared for what you guys are alluding to and talking about because that had just kind of escaped me on the first viewing for so, or maybe I blocked it out or I don't know like no like the last line is the whole point <laughs> exactly exactly wow. so watching it again I was like oh that's a stroke of brilliance that's pretty awesome. that's pretty great well, good good yeah <laughs> it's so good it's like a full circle ending it's like in a way kind of like a almost a cliche ending for a movie like this but the way they do it and the way they get to that point is so stylish and clever and well done and i I was not expecting how they got to that point the first time i saw it right but god i love it (laughs) it's so good so let's get over to final thoughts here anything that we uh did not mention that you want to bring up uh we can start off with danilo Hello, 
This is Gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th-century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th-century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Um, I think that you mentioned sort of the leanness of the movie at 95 minutes. I do. I think it's edited particularly well, especially, I mean, I, I generally have... I guess an expectation going into a first time film that maybe it might not have sort of the zip and the tightness uh, that I would come to expect from a filmmaker who has, you know, a couple uh, under their belt. But uh, Jeff Lamb's editing is really good. I mean, I think it contributes to why this thing moves so quickly and why it gets to sort of its punch of a climax so well. And so that was something that jumped out to me that that uh, I thought was a big part of why it worked for me, uh, for the most part, at least. Okay. Yeah. No, totally. I hear you on that for sure. Anything else? I think so. I think we've covered everything else that, that you know, without, like I said, without getting into spoiler territory, that uh, I think this movie is, you know, uh, really good at achieving. Okay. Uh, Dan Bear, what about you? I don't want to get too much into spoiler territory, but... Then don't. <laughs> <laughs> there's a point before like the very end in the like second third act of the movie where we get a little bit of a perspective shift and the style changes yes yes and i thought that was very very well done i like the the concept and i also liked um how they shot it to differentiate that from from everything else you know what it reminded me of and i and maybe i'm completely wrong here dan on what you're talking about like i said we're trying to avoid spoilers <laughs> here but maybe if i make this connection you'll even know i'm on the right track or not it reminded me of that um cutaway in nope to what we see what jean jacket is doing to the people yeah. inside mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a good comparison so yeah, kind of peeling back that curtain a little bit and getting a glimpse of that here. Yeah, that was pretty effective for me. Yeah, I, I know we've talked a lot about Sophie Wilde and how good she is, but um, I, I think you may have said this before, Matt. But the the kid who plays her best friend Jade's little brother, basically her surrogate brother, is also really good. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot being asked of this young kid in this movie. A lot, and God, he nails it, and. The actress who plays Jade is also very, very good. That's a really a tricky part in terms of what the script asks her to do. She has to make a lot of like hairpin emotional turns between what's happening to her brother and what's happening to Sophie. And I think she navigates that really well. The opening sequence of this movie, I, for me, is like an all-timer horror opening sequence. Yeah, I think so, too. And I was glad that they actually found a way to bring it back later in the movie in a way yes. that made sense. Yes. Because I was wondering if it was just going to be, uh, you know, an open, like something that we were never going to revisit again. It was just there for context purposes yeah. and we would fill in the blanks later. No, these are like characters that 
the other characters that we're following in this movie actually know and can interact with and you know they can be integral to the plot so that was that was a smart choice it was a nice touch yeah yeah really like that i wasn't expecting it to coming to come back around but i love that it did yeah oh um the final sequence of the movie everything is i just want to mention the sound mixing again because like yeah so good and i i wish i wish i wish that like awards bodies would take horror more seriously (laughs) yeah for sound makeup editing i mean like there's so much every year and every horror movie that you can find something usually to appreciate but for some reason awards bodies just don't they just don't do it i don't know why yeah it would be nice because like the work is so strong and deserves to have some kind of recognition I lo- also love how, like, every ghost that does possession in this movie, like, they look slightly different. Mm. Yeah. Well, you, you, are you referring to the work that goes into the makeup or? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a sense that, like, we are seeing them and sort of, like, getting some information about how they died. Mm, that's a good observation. You're right. Very yeah. sixth sense of the movie in a way. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very sixth sense. And I and I liked that. And again, like just great makeup work. Okay. Uh, for me, for final thoughts here, um, of course, I'm going to mention Miranda Otto here because Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> uh, but also too, like her bits where she's pretty aware that they're going to have a party at her house when she is out for the night. I, I thought Miranda Otto added some levity to these moments. I think there was like maybe two or three in this movie yeah. where I thought she was pretty funny. But, you know, just good to see her on screen overall. Um, it took me a little while. And, I, you know, I, I eventually got there about midway through. Yeah, I would say about midway through my first viewing. Realizing that the movie was all a metaphor for drug use. I thought I thought that became kind of kind of obvious at a certain point, especially when it comes to uh, coping with uh, tragedy and trauma. Yeah, I like that, the allusion to drug use. It's the first time I saw it, I thought it was purely about grief and how, like, yeah. the hand is, like, just literally a physicalization of literally not being able to let go of somebody. That's the whole point is you're holding that hand. But, yeah, the the second time, the, the addiction... Um, Sort of like it, that did come forward a little more, and I like that. Yeah, yeah, me too. I thought it was a pretty strong metaphor overall. Uh, this isn't really so much to do with the movie as much as it has to do with the trailer. But I do got to just uh, shout out A twenty four and how they incorporated the uh, twisting hand into the A twenty four logo of the trailer. I I just love how they do their logos now in their trailer. Yeah. <laughs> they're always they're always finding such great ways to to uh, present them and make them feel fresh. And this was another one where I was like, oh, that's pretty ingenious. Good job, marketing department. <laughs> oh, there's a particular moment in this movie involving Mia's father that really upset me. More upset than maybe I should have been. Not that I was like negatively hating on the movie, but like I actually I, like I had a really intense reaction to it. And then they reveal later on uh, that I shouldn't have re- overreacted so much. And I was like, oh, OK. Oh, <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. OK. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, I, th- I didn't know what you were going at first. 
I kind of figured it out because it just felt too weird. <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Like I was like, this movie is one of the most depressing, <laughs> up. cold, brutal movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but hey, you know, these uh, young directors here, they're making a statement, I think, uh, with this film and announcing to the world that, hey, you know, we're we're here. YouTubers are real filmmakers, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, the real question, I know I said earlier that I don't want a sequel. Do you do you guys think that they are going to call the second one talk to me? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> to talk to me. <laughs> talk to me three will be talk to me, but the E in me yes. three. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll just be talk. No, talk to three. Yes. <laughs> something we, like we're, that. we're predicting it here. <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> I'm okay if we don't. I'd probably prefer if we don't, but I could absolutely see it happening. I mean, I'm going to tell you exactly what, what it's going to be. This is what they're going to do if they do do it. It will mm-hmm. be a new group of kids. They've got the hand. And then, oh, you know, I, I've heard about this happening to someone before. They track me down and, mm-hmm. you know, she tries to help them and, you know. Yeah, Final Destination. It's just so predictable. You can just yeah. keep recycling. It's evergreen because it's, it's it's a good concept. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want that. I just want to focus on enjoying this movie. But, like I said, would not surprise me in the slightest. No, especially because it's overperforming now at the box office. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, we haven't had a like good real horror movie like since Evil Dead Rise. So overall, I really enjoyed this. There are a couple of things that hold me back from purely loving it, but I still recommend it. Like I've told people it's probably my favorite horror movie I've seen so far this year. And I'm also, um, you know, just I want people to support independent horror films too um so i can't go full eight out of ten on this but this is a very strong high recommendation seven out of ten for me danilo what about you i've been teetering between seven and eight uh i do think some of the some of the structural stuff is a little weak and i think it's something that the directors can improve upon so i i I am gonna go like about the highest seven i can it's just just almost an eight but it's strong seven yeah okay Dan? So at South by, I was like, you guys was at a very high seven. It held up honestly better than I was expecting it to still, I think some pacing issues, but those pacing issues are also like where we kind of get a lot of the character stuff that makes it work on an emotional level. So kind of mixed bag. Um, But right now I am up to a like soft, but solid eight. Okay, great. And then as far as Oscar potential goes, we know the answer is nothing, but I co-sign everything that Dan said before. Sound, makeup, you know, horror movies deserve consideration when it comes to time for award season. Every year, this is always the case. Yes. I'd love for Sophie Wilde to take some, you know, rising star breakthrough performance. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think that's possible. I think that she'll definitely have some offers thrown her way after this. I mean, how can you watch this and not think that she can be a big star? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Also to shout out to any listeners out there that are listening in Australia. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that'll do it here for our review of talk to me, Danilo Castro. Where can they find you on the internet? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Danilo S Castro. Dan bear. 
you can talk to me on Ooh. Twitter. Ooh, at Dance and Dan on Film. And you can well find played. me on Letterboxd well played, and Post at Dance and Dan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. grown-up me too yep me too but you know these days being a grown-up can really suck luckily we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation we had video arcades and also some of the best tv and movies ever made we lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics the list goes on and on yep generation x exactly and we're gen x grown-up every week the gen x grown-up podcast explores media tech toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.